Hello everyone, welcome back to the Black and Red Book Review Podcast, Season 4 Premiere. I am, of course, your charming and erudite host, Doc. I am a street medic, an herbalist, an anti-fascist, a union man, and a, ho- a anarchist hobo troublemaker based out of so-called New England. And on this podcast, I rate, review, critique, and mock white nationalist and neo-Nazi literature. I read this shit so that you don't have to. And before I continue with the uh, topic of today's episode, I wanted to give a shout out to a a small podcast run by a mixed crew of uh, folks in the Slavic regions of Europe and Americans called The Empire Never Ended. It goes by Tenny, T-E-N-E. And they are a fantastic anti-fascist podcast. They did an episode on today's uh, object of ire and mockery. That was very informative as background research for myself uh, on this episode. So big shout out to those guys, Boris and the gang. Thank you very much. Uh, So today's topic, we are returning stateside. Uh, Previous seasons I have occasionally covered important non-American fascists, Benito Mussolini, uh, David, oh I can't remember the motherfucker's name right now. Uh, he's a British neo-Nazi Satanist. Uh, I can't, his name escapes me at the moment. Uh, but, uh, we've mostly kept an American-centric focus on this podcast because I, uh, this podcast sort of exists, among other reasons, as a refutation of the idea that fascism is sort of foreign to America and like, oh, it can't happen here. It actually can happen here, uh, and... In order to fight it, you have to start by acknowledging the fact that it can happen here, not like the Sinclair Lewis uh, novel of the same name, where the character actually spends a good amount of the book denying that it is happening here right in front of his face. Uh, the position of this podcast is that it can happen here, it has almost happened here several times, and it might happen here if the left doesn't get his shit together and do a whole bunch of shit best not discussed on a podcast. So, the topic of today's podcast is an, an old-timey contestant in America's Next Top Fear, which is a fun reality show if you're a mentally damaged and emotionally unstable person. Uh, it's a fun reality show to follow. But the topic of today's podcast is a man by the name of William Dudley Pelly. Now, William Dudley Pelly uh, was a man, an American citizen, he was the manager of a toilet paper factory, of all things. Now, keep in mind, uh, we've sort of touched on the classical anarchist and Marxist understanding of fascist economics previously on this podcast. This is, of course, mostly an anarchist podcast because there's only one host, myself, an anarchist, a class struggle anarchist, hence the black and red in the black and red book review. Uh, and so the classical anarcho-syndicalist understanding of fascism is that fascism economically is a politics for small ca- small capitalists, middle management, uh, veterans, retirees, sort of forces that can easily be mobilized to crush a resurgent organized working class. And William Dudley Pelly was no exception to this class background. He was the manager of his family's toilet paper factory, uh, but he ended up getting tired of managing a toilet paper factory. And he fancied himself a writer. 
Now, uh, there have, of course, been many fascists through history who have gotten too much into art and needed to go outside. William Dudley Pelly was no exception to this either. Uh, He fancied himself a writer. He always considered himself to be destined for greater things than uh, middle management at a family toilet paper factory. He had dreams of moving to California and making big Hollywood movie and becoming a screenwriter. Now, unlike most white guys who uh, leave their parents' toilet paper factories to move to California to become a screenwriter, William Dudley Pelly was actually successful at this given task, which is quite an accomplishment, uh, I do have to say. So William Dudley Pelly moves out to California and manages to make a pretty good name for himself as a Hollywood screenwriter making big Hollywood movie. Uh, until one day he is at his mansion in the Hollywood Hills and he has himself a vision, a spiritual experience, you might even be fair enough to say. And in this spiritual experience, he leaves his body and wanders off and meets with Jesus. Yes, the Jesus, Jesus Christ, a proto-anarchist, friend of the pod, a wise, enlightened teacher and rabbi, possibly the son of God, if you're a Christian, which I am not, uh... But nonetheless, William Dudley Pelly has a vision of Jesus in which Jesus and various other, quote, celestial beings from the fifth dimension, uh, here, hereafter referred to as celestial beings from the fifth dimension, explain to William Dudley Pelly that there is a secret arcane plot uh, going on behind the scenes to destroy America and deprive the world of its only guardian of freedom and opportunity and liberty. Uh, and the only person who is chosen by Jesus and the celestial beings from the fifth dimension, very important that they not be left out, uh, the only person who is chosen by this group of beings to save America from the plotters is, of course, William Dudley Pelly. William Dudley Pelly awakens from his spiritual vision with a new lease on life and a new mission in life, which is to be America's next top Fuhrer. And he is, I must say, one of the all-time great contestants. He almost won. I think a lot of people forget how ubiquitous the silver shirts were in the 1930s. What the fuck is a silver shirt, you're asking? That is a valid question. The silver shirts were William Dudley's William Dudley Pelly's answer to the craze sweeping the world in 1933 to 39, where every country worth its salt in the uh, Western Europe and North America had its knockoff version of Italy's black shirts. Now, England did it without being too original, where Oswald Mosley simply started his own black shirts. Uh, but other countries took it a little bit more creatively. Hitler was not allowed uh, to use brown or to use black because, you know, fascists had already done that. So he had his brown shirts, whom he then murdered, and replaced with black shirts, because he was just a more powerful fascist at that point, and Mussolini wasn't in a position to complain too much about copyright infringement, a thing fascists care about very much. So, uh, uh, Hitler, uh, of course, becomes uh, Fuhrer of the Third Reich, and uh, fascism becomes exported across the rest of the Western world, quote-unquote. Ireland has the blue shirts led by a drunken Owen O'Duffy, and America has William Dudley Pelly and his silver shirts. Their flag was a silver flag with a big red L on it for the Legion, or for the Lord, or for Liberty, depending on who you asked. Their uniforms also were a silver shirt, black pants, boots, and a big red L on the uh, on the breast pocket, the left hand breast pocket of the silver shirt, 
uh, which did not stand for loser. I can't emphasize enough how not losers these people saw themselves as. They were absolutely not losers in their own minds. So, William Dudley Pelly makes a serious bid to become America's next top Fuhrer. He ends up forming a council with Fritz Kuhn of the German-American Bund, who were simply importing Nazism to German-Americans. Uh, there's a sort of council of wannabe fascists, and William Dudley Pelly ultimately fucks up the whole council because he keeps explaining to them with a straight face that the celestial beings from the fifth dimension want him to be Fuhrer, and why can't people understand that the celestial beings are correct in this? They must be correct, otherwise they wouldn't be celestial beings from the fifth dimension. That's just flawless logic right there. Uh, so William Dudley Pelly ends up getting indicted by Congress for being a, you know, plotting to do a fascism, goes on the lam, gets arrested, dies in obscurity in the 1960s, having helped popularize the New Age movement. Uh, so that with that biographical sketch of William Dudley Pelly now over with, we can return to the text that I read for today's episode. It was the closest thing Pelly ever put out to a manifesto, and it was entitled simply, No More Hunger, A Vision of the Christian Commonwealth. And it started out in a particularly interesting fashion. So most manifestos would start with like the author's view of their life, or their biographical background, or whatever. Sort of like the way I started this episode, though probably a little more generous to William Dudley Pelly himself. Maybe leave out the celestial beings from the fifth dimension, you know, do an L. Ron Hubbard and really get people committed before you tell them that. Uh, but uh, William Dudley Pelly starts out his text by explaining who it is that he is working for. Now, I got very excited when I first opened this text because I thought, oh, is he going to admit that he's working for the Nazis? Or is he working for Charles Lindbergh? Or No, 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 no. William Dudley Pelly is driving down a country road in 1935-ish uh, in North Carolina. And he gets stuck behind a school bus and he watches a small child, about uh, 8, 10 years old, a boy... Uh, get on the school bus, walking down the country road from the farmhouse he lives on in Bumfuckville. Now, this is a pretty adorable scene. Uh, it, it could have just been about as quickly gone through as I just described it. But, of course, because William Dudley Pelly was a fascist, and fascists, uh, notoriously, uh, are many of them are pedophiles, and they always accuse each other of being pedophiles, and they're usually correct. William Dudley Pelly was no exception to this. So he spent probably 10 pages of the book describing this child in, in like, not explicit detail, but, like, in a huge amount of visual detail that is, frankly, boring and unnecessary and deeply, deeply fucking creepy. Deeply fucking creepy. Like, oh, here's the shoes he's wearing. Here's what he wears for school. Here's, he's a handsome young man. He's handsome, handsome, handsome. He's this appealing young man. He's a very mannish young boy, etc., etc., etc. Very creepy motherfucker. But he just, he basically swears eternal vengeance on the, uh, on the Jews, uh, whom he dog whistles a bunch as, you know, financiers and plotters against America and foreign atheistic aliens in high places and shit like that but the Jews he sees a young boy that he obsesses over swears to serve this young boy and all of America's other children uh, and that's what he says he, he explicitly says he's doing his fascism for the children 
uh, and then he goes right on to the core, the the majority of this text, which is uh, bullshit fake economics. Uh, he ends up citing a whole bunch of bullshit math. Uh, he explains how a sort of very distorted view of how Ashkenazi Jews made it to Europe from the Jewish diaspora. And then like after a page of real history goes into anti-Semitic bullshit about how Jews ended up running all of finance because it was the only thing they were allowed to do. And they were so good at it that the anti-Semitism that forced them to only do one thing ended up being a justification for the anti-Semitism that was used against them because of the one thing that they allegedly did. Uh, they got too good at the only job they were allowed to do, and anti-Semitism was their own fault, according to William Dudley Pelley. Uh, so William Dudley Pelley, uh, at one point, he explicitly says that uh, he is not out to change uh, America's political institutions. He cites over and over again what a big fan he is of the Constitution and liberty and bicameral representation and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but the... An interesting thing happens where he says he's not out to change America's political institutions. And then immediately a page after he says, oh, I have this grand vision for what I need, what needs to happen in order to solve all of America's problems. And shockingly, you may really, you may uh, be astonished to hear this. It is not socialism. It is definitely not communism, but it is also absolutely not fascism. He simply wants to turn America into a corporation, not a corporate state, not a blending of corporation and state explicitly on those terms, the way Mussolini explained what uh, fascist political economy. No, 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 no. William Dudley Pelley literally wants to make a United States of America Incorporated in which all, quote, racially qualified citizens, hmm, one might wonder who exactly is racially qualified to be a citizen of this new nightmare United States. Uh, well, dear listener, I'm glad you asked that question. Turns out uh, you have to be white, of course, uh, preferably of childbearing age. Uh, there will be an ethnic cleansing of, of the blacks, quote unquote. Whether peacefully or not is, of course, entirely up to the blacks, quote unquote, according to William. Uh, and Jews will not, will not, according to William Dudley Pelley, there will be no pogroms against Jewish folks. They will simply be politely asked by armed men to be herded into uh, a, a selected city, one city in every state of the Union, where Jews will be allowed to live, and absolutely nowhere else. So we will forcibly ghettoize Jewish Americans, uh, politely, peacefully, ethnically cleansing America and turning it into a corporation. Now, I apologize for not having a giant summary of the text, but I managed to make my way through about a 150, 200-page text, and it, it, it was such a boring, repetitive, needlessly fucking pedantic screed that... I managed to summarize every important point in this 150-page rant in the past 15 and a half minutes. That's, that's the substance of this text. America is under attack. It's occupied by the Jews. It should have belonged to the white man. Uh, it was built by white men. We need to purge the Jews. We need to get rid of the blacks. We need to turn America into a corporation. Uh, 
That is the summary of William Dudley Pelley's politics. Now, the thing that was not explicitly clear in this text, at no point does he mention the celestial beings from the fifth dimension, which I must say I was very disappointed by. The only thing that this man ever talked about that I genuinely want to hear more about is the celestial beings from the fifth dimension. Because he was a contemporary of uh, L. Ron Hubbard, founder of Scientology. So basically, America's next top Fuhrer could have been a Scientology knockoff. That's essentially what William Dudley Pelley was trying to do. He tried to be Hitler, and he couldn't be Hitler, so he tried to be a cult leader for a while, but he was ultimately not very good at that either. And honestly, if you're a failure at fascism, and you're a failure at cult leader, there's no going back from that. You don't have like an... I once heard uh, some another podcast compare uh, vi- like abusive cops to priests that molest children. And William Dudley Pelley is another example of this phenomenon where you fuck up so badly at a job that you've been preparing for for years that you can't just like retire and move on to a normal life at that point. Like you can't. You can't be, oh, this guy tried to start a cult and be America's Hitler and now he's a gas station attendant. Like that's not a thing that could possibly happen. Uh, And it didn't to William. Uh, He went to prison when America started World War II well, America, I, I should I should edit that statement. America did not start World War II. America got into World War II. It was very trying very hard not to fight the Nazis. Um, and then Japan decided it made sense to just attack the United States. Uh, and so America's like, all right, well, I guess we're at war now. Uh, and Hitler made what was arguably the possibly the second dumbest decision he made as fear after, of course, invading the Soviet Union. Uh the second dumbest decision was when he actually believed in an alliance that he had made for once. Not like the Nazi-Soviet pact, uh, an actual alliance that Hitler definitely believed in and was choosing to honor. When he unilaterally declared war on the United States, uh, and the United States is like, whoa, whoa, buddy, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, we were just sitting in this incredibly raucous bar minding our own business and then Japan broke our bottle over our head and then you just started shouting shit at us from across the room like we're going to have to fight both of you now and that's going to be a whole fucking production, you know? So the United States is like, okay, we have to get involved in World War II. Obviously, the first thing we're going to do is lock up William Dudley Pelley. We can't have someone proclaiming himself Fuhrer because of the celestial beings from the fifth dimension while we're fighting Nazis. That's not going to be a thing, all right? So we'll put him in jail for a while. He got out of jail in, like, 1948, ended up getting heavily involved in the burgeoning New Age movement, which honestly is where William Dudley Pelley should have been this whole time. He really was a man ahead of his time in this regard. Uh, He was constantly predicting apocalyptic racial wars on the international stage and just kept pushing the date back. Pro tip for all my budding grifters out there. If you're going to start a grift that's predicated on future events, don't make the mistake that this guy made. Don't put a firm date on your apocalypse that you're prepping for. Don't tell your followers, oh, it's definitely going to happen in like spring of 1952. And then spring of 1952, nothing fucking happens. Keep it vague. When you're grifting, all right? Keep it fucking vague. And you're good. Keep people giving you money to make them feel safe, and you're good. Uh, But William Dudley Pelley just kept pushing back the proverbial goalpost uh, until he died sometime in the early 1960s, having lived a very, very long time. 
and ultimately uh, having helped start a fascist underground in America. Uh, Richard Butler from the Church of the Aryan Nations was a member of the Silver Shirts in the 1930s. Uh, I believe that George Lincoln Rockwell was briefly connected to them. Uh, John Birch Society guys were starting, uh, had started out in the silver shirts prior to being a thing. And we might get to them on this podcast at some point because John Birchers are just about on the line between normie mainstream conservatism and straight out white nationalism, which is a, a line that, uh, this podcast thrives on. Now, uh, this season, we're going to be exploring that line. We're going to walk that line. And you want me on that line. You need me on that line. Uh, you better wake up every day and be thankful that I am out on that line. Uh, this podcast is going to be walking that line. It's going to be bringing you the truth, whether or not you can handle that truth. It's pretty fucking ugly in some corners of the internet. Uh, it's also pretty funny, uh, occasionally. And it's usually very, very dumb and commonly very boring. So we will have a funny, dumb, boring, and sometimes frightening uh, season ahead for folks. So once again, this has been Doc, host of the Black and Red Book Review podcast, sworn enemy of all wannabe tyrants in the world. Uh, And I will see folks in season four. And the next episode of season four, we will have another American fascist nerd uh, whose literary works we will be picking apart. And that will be dropping sometime around Samhain this year. So I will see folks then. Have a good day, folks.